0: Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe.
1: Hello, I'm Karsten Menke, Head of Next Generation Research at Julius Baer in Zurich. With me today is Chris Irvin, one of our precious metals traders from Singapore to discuss the gold market. Welcome back, Chris.
2: Thanks, Karsten. So this is our third chat about the gold market, and it really feels like so much has happened since our last one several months ago. I think if we just look at the range alone this year in gold, it's rather impressive at over 25%. But now I ask you, where are we now? Like on a year-to-date basis, we're now trading negative again. Yeah, indeed. What a year
1: it was for gold. We've gone from the everything bull to the everything bear in financial markets. Equities, bonds, cryptos, commodities, with the exception of energy, all are down by 20% or more from the peaks. So this should have been the perfect environment for gold,
2: but it wasn't. How did you experience the gold market this year, Chris? Well, it's definitely been eventful. It's been a mix of different factors that really have independently driven prices. I remember earlier in the year when the tensions around Ukraine intensified and the war started, gold initially lived up to its reputation as a safe haven. So we did see spot price quickly spike up above 2070, before it lost over $300 by the summer. Why do you think the gold market does not care about the war in Ukraine anymore? Well, the gold market is taking a very rational view
1: of the consequences the war has for the economy and for financial markets. It's not an emotional asset, even though we treat gold emotionally. This is reflected in the markets in real time. And while the war continues to rage and no solution seems to be in sight, the consequences for the economy and financial markets haven't changed during the past few weeks and months. In fact, the consequences do not seem to be as harsh as initially feared. Europe is coping remarkably well with the energy crisis. The region is not running out of gas. There is still sufficient oil in the world, and we don't suffer from any war related supply shortages elsewhere. So, the gold market showed the usual reaction to such a geopolitical shock. Prices started to rise as the tensions were building, right? So from 1,800 per ounce in early January to 1,900 per ounce right before the invasion, they then spiked, as you said, and peaked at US dollars twenty seventy per ounce.
2: So this does sound a bit like buy the rumor, sell the fact.
1: Yeah, No, that's the same thing I had in mind as well. Buy the rumor, sell the fact, but obviously only with the benefit of hindsight, because this could have gone completely in the other direction and gold would be way up. But if we consider how gold has reacted before right so the wars in the middle east the arab spring the war in afghanistan we've seen the very same pattern and that's why we don't treat gold as a geopolitical hedge at Julius spear
2: i think what we also need to consider is the impact of the war and the energy crisis on the european economy itself and in turn the euro if you factor that in this war could actually be bearish for gold because it's going to prop up inflation in the eurozone It's going to weigh on growth and it's going to lead to a weak euro in the absence of safe haven demand. If you actually look this year, though, gold in euro is actually positive due to the extreme pressure on that currency. True. But what puzzles me the most is
1: actually the fact that we have not seen any safe haven demand from European investors, not in Switzerland, not in Germany. So people don't seem to seek shelter in gold.
2: Do you have an explanation for that? I think the idea of gold as the ultimate safe haven is a rather historic one. So during the 1970s, you had this period of high inflation and gold was the world's best performer. However, in this sort of turbulent market atmosphere, much like what we saw in early 2020, investors have flocked back to the dollar. I do also believe that's got to do with flow in the market. We've also spoken in the past about the importance of investor demand on driving gold prices If you look so far this year, ETFs, the exchange-traded funds, which are holding physical gold and are tracking the asset class, they've seen huge redemptions for long, consistent periods. Global holdings now are down in the year from 107 million ounces in the early part down to 96 million ounces globally. So that's quite a reduction. Also, if you look at the speculative side of COMEX, where the funds trade, this is also sitting at multi-year lows, the net positioning. So no one's really flocking to the metal to own it right now. Well, and that's despite the energy crisis, right? Yeah. How do you think this is going to play out, Karsten?
1: Well, see, quite early on, we struggled to share the view that there would be a shortage of energy supplies in Europe. That's why we have not referred to the energy crisis as a supply crisis, but rather a price crisis. And if you look at European gas storage today, levels are well above seasonal averages, despite the curtailment of Russian exports. Actually, prices now at the end of October are almost back to pre-war levels. And this is because at this very moment, there is actually too much gas in Europe due to the mild weather and given that there is no heating demand. So we see a very, very low likelihood that Europe will run out of gas during winter. And this would in fact require more than the curtailment of Russian exports. It would require a very cold winter, no recovery in France, nuclear production, or unexpected supply disruptions from other exporters. And with that in mind, we maintain the view that energy risks have been heavily overpriced, both in the energy markets themselves, but also in the European stock market, and most likely also with regard to currencies. Looking at the relative performance of European industrials versus EU industrials, for example, the market is basically pricing a deindustrialization of Europe, extremely speaking. But this won't happen. Europe will bounce back. And you know what? I think this could actually be positive for gold. Why is that? Because the euro is under shot versus the dollar. And if things look a little brighter here in Europe, a normalization of the Euro US dollar exchange rate might lift gold a little. Well, don't get me wrong, it's not going to trigger a big rally, but I definitely expect gold to benefit from a European recovery.
2: What I also find interesting this year is that if we remove the dollar from the equation, you can see gold price hitting fresh highs against a wide range of currencies uh, like such as sterling and yen. Yeah, that's indeed quite interesting. I mean, the pound and the yen have
1: been some of the weakest performers among the world's major currencies. And well, given UK politics during the past few weeks, well, this is not surprising, is it? No, definitely not. But without wanting to push it too far, I think it's fair to say that this weakness shows some distrust in policy making in the UK and Japan and that's when gold comes in as a
2: hedge for local investors That's a great point yeah. Uh, if we look back to the energy crisis and related to that we can't ignore inflation we've seen staggering numbers in terms of energy price inflation in Europe, both natural gas and base low power up as much as 400 percent but temporarily. But the inflation issue is not just in Europe, it's in the U.S. as well. It's all over the world. And yet gold is suffering despite this reputation as an inflation hedge. How do you you explain this?
1: Well, for me, it's still the wrong kind of inflation, so to speak, because it's not related to a loss of trust in the U.S. Federal Reserve. To the contrary, the markets signal trust in the Federal Reserve as inflation expectations have not gotten out of control. Indicative of that is the rise of the US dollar to multi-decade highs and the rise of yield bond yields as well. So both of these factors have been heavily weighing on gold this year. Actually, I would go so far and say that gold remained quite resilient considering how strong the dollar is and how high real yields are.
2: Still, it's puzzling to see inflation that high as it was in the early 1980s and the gold market's reaction is just a totally different one.
1: Yeah, no, we've received that question many times from clients and agree. At first sight, there are these parallels to the 1980s. However, if you look closer, you'll see quite some differences. So the gold price was kept artificially low during the time of the gold standard, right? Think of these 35 US dollars per ounce. As we all know, the gold standard and the Bretton Woods system of fixed exchange rates collapsed in the 1970s, which means that the gold market needed to find its balance in the following years. And at the same time, central bankers, they also needed to find new ways to manage monetary policy. So they entered into a whole new era. There was some sort of vacuum in the monetary policy slash less gold space. Plus, the world was much more reliant on oil when it was hit by two crises, two oil crises, in 1973 and 1980. So I think this explains why the 1980s are not a good gauge for today's gold market.
2: Yeah. Plus, i think we've seen a massive deterioration in the market mood because of the us dollar mm-hmm. and us yes. yield yeah. as i mentioned before the speculative side of comics is now sitting at the lowest since 2019 you can also see that the shorts there are at a four-year high and that's a good sign right because a lot of negative news is
1: priced in so if you want to look for for positive signs in the gold market this is one on the other hand We have to say that we have not seen any signs of bottom fishing yet, neither in the futures market nor in the physical markets. And as you mentioned before, holdings of physically backed products, they continue to see outflows primarily from US-based investors, which I believe is quite plausible.
2: Yeah, because ultimately markets still see that interest rates are rising and the dollar does remain strong. And this is likely to be the theme into the year end. And whether that dominates the early part of 2023, this remains to be seen, however. Well, at least it's how markets are positioned
1: at the moment. are very single-sided. So there is a lot of bullishness towards the dollar and a lot of bearishness towards gold. That said, when it comes to the outlook for the dollar, we have a little bit of a different view here in Julius Baer Research. So we don't see as many rate hikes by the Federal Reserve anymore as we believe that inflation in the U.S. has likely peaked, which also suggests that the U.S. dollar does not have much more upside.
2: So it's all about the Fed and U.S. monetary policy going forward, because to me, it looks like a pivot of the Fed is very unlikely unless we eventually begin to see a lagged effect of this tightening hit the economy in a way that really shifts the data needle massively.
1: Yeah, no, fully agree. I mean, we should not focus, however, too much on on short-term interest rates. Of course, that's what's dominating the headlines, but they don't have a very strong influence on gold prices in my view. Instead, gold is much more sensitive to 10-year yields, so both nominal and also, or even more so real, so after accounting for expected inflation. And if real yields go down because of a change in course of Fed policy, and if the dollar goes down as well, this would be most positive for gold in my view.
2: I guess that would only happen in the case of US recession, right?
1: Yes. And well, in the case of recession, safe haven seekers would also be lured back into the gold market. I'm pretty convinced about that. However, the recession is not our base case at the moment, even though we have to acknowledge rising recession risks. And in my view, this is really the most important question for gold at the moment. Will there be a recession in the US? Yes or no? And if yes, how deep will it be? Other factors such as central bank buying or physical Asian demand They don't seem to matter at all at the moment.
2: Yeah, central bank, although they've been net buyers of gold this year, it was, however, a handful of smaller central banks responsible for the purchases. But it's actually worth noting the heavy accumulation of gold we saw by the Bank of Russia over the last several years. And in today's eyes, this actually makes a lot of sense now when you look at that pattern. Absolutely. I mean, the Bank of Russia has been one of the biggest buyers of
1: gold in recent years, actually. And at the same time, they have cut their holdings of U.S. dollars or U.S. treasuries from more than $150 billion in 2013 to almost zero. Against the backdrop of what has happened this year with the war in Ukraine and the sanction against Russia, I think this puts the Bank of Russia's moves into a little bit of a different light, actually. Yeah. I'm convinced that, that some central banks, and the Bank of Russia here is the most prominent example use gold as a political statement versus the United States.
2: That's a great point.
1: But how about Asian demand?
2: What do you see on the ground there in in India and China? Well, Asian demand, physical demand this year, has been a bit of a mixed bag. So Indian demand has been returning following the pandemic. There was definitely a lot of pent-up demand there because the cutback in festivals and wedding season and other social occasions that are historically rooted in gold jewelry. But that market is also undergoing a shift driven by the government from storing gold physically at home. They're trying to push it more to centralized exchanges with products backed by physical gold. Also, if you look at gold priced in rupee, it has also hit fresh highs too. This also prices many natural buyers out of the market. So actually, interestingly, what we've seen this year is India buyers moving to the cheaper metal silver as an alternative. And they've actually imported over 6,000 tons of silver this year. Amazing. But what about China then? Well, China is still dealing with the pandemic in a unique way. They've got rolling lockdowns, which are affecting different parts of the country. Shanghai, which is a major financial center, was also in a full lockdown for various periods of the year. So this led to a a drop off in imports. Also, their economy is still suffering dramatically. So investments in gold will naturally suffer. But I, I do hear signs of pickup in the market when things become relatively normal I'm still positive that that demand will come back eventually. But for me, the physical buying by the physical names, it really only tends to cushion price sell-offs rather than drive prices. I really want to see investors come back to gold before I would be thinking about seeing a full bull market form again.
1: So some demand in Asia, but not too much, which I think is really remarkable, especially if we think about the old stories of China and India buying all the gold the West does not want anymore. Absolutely, yeah. But all in all, it again underpins my view that the question of a U.S. recession remains most relevant for for gold now.
2: So if we stick to the idea of a U.S. recession just for a moment, what does that mean for gold? We've briefly mentioned it
1: before, but clearly it would mean a change in course of the Federal Reserve. So it would start loosening monetary policy, which would weigh on yields, which would weigh on the U.S. dollar, and it would lure safe haven seekers back into the market. It would also likely turn today's market mood-driven and dollar-driven sellers into buyers. Basically, a U.S. recession would reverse most of the moves we've seen in gold this year. So in terms of gold price, we could go back to $1,900 per ounce in this case, which is in fact our bull case. And the base case? Well, the base case is still uh, no recession, sustained short-term strength of the dollar, so a little bit of a plateau and a further fading of safe haven demand uh, in the medium to longer term. And in that environment, considering how bearish the market mood actually is, prices would move sideways to maybe somewhat lower, let's say between 1650 and $1,600 per
2: ounce. And I guess we have to look at the bear case, which based on your arguments before would be seeing more aggressive interest rate hikes by the Fed, stronger dollar, higher yields. You get the pattern, right?
1: (laughs) So this would lead to more dollar-driven and market mood driven selling, and it would eventually open up a buying opportunity, I believe, because with such an aggressive Fed, a recession looks more like a question of when, but not if. So in any case, no matter if it's bull bear or base, we would be looking at a cyclical environment in gold, not a structural one, especially not a structural bull market. So if we wrap up, all in all, we are looking at a gold market today where we have a lot of noise, primarily from geopolitics, but also from uh, inflation. We're looking at a market where the actual fundamental impact is primarily coming from U.S. monetary policy. So we do have an inflation link and the Federal Reserve. Bearing major surprises, we do not expect major moves in the gold market, neither to the upside nor to the downside. Prices should rather remain range-bound in the bigger scheme of things.
2: Well, thanks, Kirsten. It's been great to speak as always. Thank you, Chris.
0: You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.